Well, good afternoon, everybody. We are live on Lessons from the Front, and I am here with my new best friend, Monty Heath, former Navy SEAL. And I say my new best friend because, uh, Monty, I've, I've had uh, two quick conversations with you so far. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, through a lot of my research, you remind me a lot of a couple guys that I served with, and I'm looking forward to, to you proving that uh, to be true because I really enjoyed serving with those guys. So how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on board here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that we like to do on the show is really get to know people a little bit. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to hear about their entire service because there's so many things to tell. And we like to, to focus in on a, uh, on a specific area, but, one of the first things I want to get right to it because you've got an interesting background, but to me, your background being interesting starts well before the, the, the teams. And so I always like to find out, tell us who was Monty before military. Yeah. So grew up in, uh, grew up in new England, um, came from a family that was pretty strange. Lots of, lots of, uh, I guess, uh, alcoholism, pretty good amount of trauma and um, I personally didn't have any guidance not a whole lot of guidance was on my own probably since 12 sort of on my own since six and a half but you know kind of for sure on my own at 12 and then uh, I did a bunch of sports and never really applied myself didn't have the you know didn't have even if I had good coaching I wasn't coachable I wasn't listening I wasn't in that right mindset and then I saw that movie, Navy Seals, the super cheesy one with uh, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's what I have to do. And that's what I did. So joined uh, at 16, delayed entry program. Wait, um, I, I got to stop you because yeah. you, you were drawn to that. Yeah. You were oh, drawn yeah. to the Seals because that, I was pushed away from, <laughs> from that movie. That movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's nonsense. It's, but it spoke to me, you know, the idea of like, I didn't, I didn't like authority. I needed it, but I didn't like it. And that movie kind of, you know, played on that, the, the seals being doing their own thing and a bunch of shenanigans and stuff, but they were blowing stuff up and shooting guns and, and that stuff looked awfully cool to me. So yeah, 16 delayed entry program, die fair program, which meant I had orders to seal training. I just had to make it through um, some training and, and pass some tests and jump through some hoops. Uh, graduated high school at 17, waited till I was 18, then went in. Uh, got to boot camp, went to Buds. There's some, you know, Buds is a funny story in itself. It's six months long. It took me about a year. Um, you just basically get punished there. You don't learn much, but it's a good testament and it's a good test of people's willpower. And it, it does have a nice uh, common denominator. You know, everybody uh, can at least endure a boatload of pain. And, okay, uh, so hold on. Yeah. I don't want you to get too far away from childhood. And I do want to hear about why it took you a year because you know i've got a similar story about college but it was a lot longer than a year um tell me about the childhood piece though you said you didn't have any kind of mentors um you were very open and somewhere else you talked about boozing as early as 12 yep that there, there's got to be more to that i mean how on earth did, did you did you make it down that path and then how'd you get out of it 
Well, I didn't get out of it until a couple months ago, actually. So from the age of 12, and so I'm 44. It, from the age of 12 to about 35, I would drink to blackout drunk. Uh, that was the only purpose. I couldn't understand another reason to drink. Um, you know, you could probably dive into that. That's probably like some type of slow suicide or just, you know, not valuing yourself slash slow suicide. Uh, but that's, that's, uh, it's a great masking tool. It's a great way to escape. It's a great way sure. to, uh, say F it and not deal with whatever you're dealing with and just get plastered, you know? And then, and you, and I joined a community where back in those days, 93 to 04 was when I was in, I wouldn't say it was encouraged, but it was basically encouraged and whoever had a better drinking story or fighting story or shenanigan story was sort of the victor of the day. So yeah, I started drinking at 12, a lot of anger involved and then joined an organization where that anger was, was pretty much useful. Anger was the only acceptable emotion that I could, that I could, could you know, could surmise. Okay. So, you know, you also talked about, uh, and again, just through the research that I did, you were kicked off of the swim team. And what I found to be very interesting is apparently how easy that came to you. Swimming. I mean, yeah, well, you, you were, I mean, you were winning everything and, but you just you really didn't have to try very hard. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, that's a, that's a, that's a blessing and a curse. Most things come easy to me which is probably annoying to most people that, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are like, dude, nothing comes easy to me. I have to try really hard at everything. Uh, so yeah, most things come easy to me. Some don't, you know, uh, I would say my, for example, my social intelligence was off the charts low. You know, that hasn't come easy to me. My, my, I've been with my wife for 25 years now and she's been, uh, you know, the first 20 or so was really her breaking me in and teaching me some things some some social intelligence and some, some emotional intelligence. So yeah. Um, but that, that getting kicked off the swim team was pretty important because that was the first thing I wanted. And the first thing I gave a little bit of effort to, and it was taken from me or better said, I blew it. I lost it. And that lesson was, uh, you know, it was pretty harsh then, but I probably needed it. I probably needed that lesson because I was about to go into the, you know, arguably the hardest military training in the world. Did, did that serve as a wake up call? Would you, I mean, would you look back on that in your life and, and say that served as a wake up call? Looking back. Another? Yeah. Looking back, but I wasn't smart enough or I didn't have the perspective at the time to know that it was a teaching moment and a learning moment and pivotal moment and all those things. But looking back for sure, looking back, that was a very important moment. But at the time I was, you know, just a pissed off 15 year old that or 16 year old that thought they did this to me and how could they do this to me and how could they take this away from me? And yeah. you know, it took me years to figure out they didn't do anything. I, I lost it. I blew it. You know, one of the, one of the great lessons that I, that I learned along the way, um, you know, cause I had some, some similar uh, struggles. Um, you know, I, I don't want to put myself in your camp uh, uh, because I don't know exactly what you dealt with, but I, I had a lot of that same, uh, you know, pointing the finger at others and, you know, it's, it's their fault. They're doing it to me. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, one, at one point he said, you got to understand discipline is not something you do to someone. It's something you do for someone. And, and I, and I kind of sat back at first when he said, it and I thought, Oh, that's, you know, that's a, 
okay, yeah, but that, that's not for me. That's for other people. It wasn't until years later where it really sunk in and, and you know, and I had kids and, and I, where I really, truly understood that. That's, that's the epitome of love is when you're doing something that it ends up hurting you more than it hurts them, but you know, they may not realize it ever. Yeah. Um, and so it, it sounds like you, you got a little taste of that with the academic, uh, was it the academic dean that, that kicked you off? Yeah. Yeah. I failed gym class and I failed gym class because I, I wouldn't show up for class or I, I would call uh, Mr. Gutterson gutter joke, the red nose boozer or uh, not play kickball or whatever it was that. That's I yeah, right. Whatever it was, I thought was too stupid at the time, uh, you know, being too cool for school. Um, but it cost me, it, it cost me that year anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I was breaking records and undefeated that year, my senior year. Have you ever Until gone I got back thrown there? off the swim team. Sorry. Have you ever gone back there? Um, and, and, my and family's from that area. Yeah. Jaffrey, New Hampshire. I haven't been back to the school. I, I, sh- I should go back there at some point. The, uh, the principal actually was my football coach. Okay. And what's a little something interesting about that. I played three years of football and, uh, my dad used to come on the field and try to coach and would yell and scream and holler and swear. Uh, on two occasions, the coach took off his hat and said, here, you coach to my dad. Uh, oh but, but, but that coach, that man said, uh, your son will never come to the principal's office. So even though I was a bad kid and I got like in school suspensions and, and stuff, I never stepped foot in the principal's office. They always, the vice principal always handled me. So, you know, we, we fast forward then and we get to your military service. Um, why, why do you feel like you were so drawn and so perfect for the SEAL teams based on everything you just described? Yeah, um, I guess what the, some of the things I would add was I always loved water. I, uh, I got my scuba diving license at 14. So way before I even heard of the SEAL teams, I was scuba diving. Um, I loved the, I loved the fact that they're a, a unit that is unlike any other unit that is not rigid and rules based. And I would, I would call them principle based as opposed to rules based. And, uh, it just spoke to me, it, it, you know, it, it spoke, it spoke, it, it spoke to me at the time. It's the only thing I wanted to do. I had no plan B. So, and I had military in my family, but they, they, they really didn't have, any effect on me. My dad was in the Navy. I had a brother that was a Marine, another uncle that was in the army. Um, but they, it, it didn't have any effect on me. The only thing that had an effect on me was that movie. That, uh, that movie was the spark. Yeah. So, so you, you said your dad was in the military and your brother was in the military. Did I get that right? Yep. Yeah. My dad was actually in World War II. He didn't do anything. He was a cook. He didn't leave, uh, he didn't leave the States, but yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was old. He, he was born in 26, had me at 50. And uh, I had a brother in the Marines, had an uncle in the Army, had a lot of military, but it, it, it was irrelevant to me at the time. Me so joining you, had nothing to do with their, their service. Furthermore, me joining had nothing to do with my service. Like, I, I, I didn't feel like I was in service at the time. I felt like I was just a kid that got to blow stuff up. And, you know, the patriotism and the service and the, the servitude didn't come until later, until I matured quite a bit. Yeah, you've, you made a comment about that, and I, I'm going to – you talked about you didn't give a crap about humanity, and you've said that. I'm quoting you, I know. Um, and I want to I talk about – I'm going to shelve that 
for a little bit later as well, because I don't buy that. I'm just telling you right now, I don't buy that. You may not have been in touch with it, but I don't buy it. So let's go back to the military service. So you were, you said uh, a six month program took you a year. Yeah. Why? So I failed some things. I, I should have been kicked out actually. Uh, they kept me cause I guess they liked me, but the first thing I failed was drown proofing. That's when they tie your feet together and tie your hands behind your back and you go in a pool and you have to do all these things and bob and float and swim. And the last part you have to go down and grab your mask by your teeth and push off the bottom and come up. And it's in a 15 foot pool. And I went down, it took me a while to get down there. And I, I finally got the mask in my teeth and I was already pretty much out of breath and I pushed off at an angle. So I pushed off at an angle and I didn't make it to the surface. And I was like, Oh God, the only way to get down, the only way to get up is to go back down, let out more air, go down faster so I can get another push off. And, um, yeah. So anyway, I failed that had to retread and go back into another class, went through that class, made it through hell week and then, um, got, got, uh, dinged again, failed again in pool comp. Pool comp is when they have you in uh, scuba diving equipment and they come down and they rip all your stuff off and tie your hoses and knots and stuff. And you, you have to go through these, through these particular procedures. And if you screw up the procedure, you fail. And I failed and I deserved to fail. And again, I was a scuba diver. So imagine a scuba diver um, failing a scuba diving operation. I mean, they, it's not easy. I'm sure you've seen, seen, you know, seen some footage or heard about it, but yeah, I failed that too. And uh, got rolled again. Was that a little humbling? Humbling? No, I, I wouldn't say the hum. I wouldn't say humble came into my existence until probably mid to late thirties. Wow. So no, I, okay. I was just clueless. I was just, uh, you know, I had a growth mindset. Even I didn't know what a growth mindset was at the time, but I had a growth mindset at the time, meaning I had mission focus. I always looked way ahead and did not really care about what was in front of me in terms of um, stressing out about it, in terms of uh, freaking out about it. Yes, the only thing that is important is what you're doing right now in the next evolution. You can't look ahead uh, or you're going to fail or, or whatever, die. Um, but I had, a, I, had a, I had a mission focus. I had a growth mindset where I only cared about the end goal and whatever was put in front of me was, was kind of irrelevant. Okay, and so, so you you failed the uh, these two scuba uh, focused water, tests. water based tests basically, and then you keep going. What what next? So keep going, make it through buds. Uh, this is still pre war. You know, this is nineteen ninety three or probably ninety four when I was in buds, and uh, get out to SEAL Team Two on the East Coast. All beaver number teams are on the East Coast start doing uh, some deployments and then uh, I was a corpsman medic and this goes back to the hating humanity thing that you're going to press me on. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to be a corpsman anymore. Furthermore, the only way to get over to the command that I wanted to get at uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group was to either go through the long course of 18 Delta and then spend a year or two as an instructor before I could screen or get rid of that rate and go over something else. So I, they let me get rid of it and I got right over there. And I was in their green team, which is their six month sort of uh, process of weeding people out when the towers fell. So that was obviously September. 
and we were done in October. So uh, that meant we were going to war. So uh, went to uh, spent the next three winters over there. Got deployed over there in 02 and 03 and 04. How fast were you deployed after 9-11? We were the second crew in. The first crew in went pretty fast. We got in in January. So we relieved the first crew. So I was the second getting a bunch of guys over there. Okay. Bagram is still pretty uh, basic, very, very basic. And so were, were y'all, was that even on your radar before 9-11 going over there? No, no. I mean, so, we got briefings about bin Laden and we heard about him blowing up, you know, various barracks and, you know, the, the, the former uh, twin tower uh, debacle, you know, that didn't work before right. and I think he had a hand in that and so we, we knew who he was but no it, we didn't we didn't have any we had no idea yeah I've always found that interesting you know the conspiracy theorists um, you know that, that abound will, will say that you know we, we let it happen so that we could go over there and ridiculous you know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I was stationed in DC at the time and um, you know and, and I was my old CEO was the the commandant's right hand man and I, I talked to him within days after it and he was telling me, he said, you know, at most it's going to be black ops stuff. Cause I, I was, I went on terminal leave on September 1, uh, 2001. And so, oh, I mean, wow. Hey, sir, what do you think? Do I stick around or what? No, no, you just do, do what you're going to do. And so, I mean, you know, nobody knew. So that's why I was curious about that uh, at that point. So, well, you, you were telling me earlier that, that one of the things from your deployment that really didn't even stick out to you, but yet you were reminded of this story uh, by one of your buddies uh, who was there with you. Would, would you recount that story? Yeah, I, I think this is something, this is kind of interesting and something to, to ponder. I haven't even really dug through it enough to kind of give it a, you know, Jordan Peterson type answer, but I, I was hanging out with my, a, a friend, friend of mine that was, I was at the command with, and we had gone to war together and he was saying something to the effect of, you know, I was proud of you or one of the most, proud moments I had of you, this, this dude was like my sea daddy, so he took care of me, uh, was when you didn't kill all those kids with your breaching charge. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? What deployment are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. So he started telling me what, 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 what the scoop was. And what happened was we, uh, we were doing a kill capture mission and we landed pretty close with our helos. And we got out so and describe for people what a kill capture mission mission is. Yeah, it's it's uh, here's a known bad guy's location. Go there and take him out. Bring him back if you can. Kill him if 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 you need to. You know, don't shoot the good guys. Shoot the bad guys. As opposed okay. to like a hostage rescue mission, which is much more slower and much more methodical. Um, you don't want to use many breaching charges, right? You don't want to just send explosive material all over the place because you don't want to kill the uh, you know the good guys so you weren't uh, overly awesome. concerned about collateral damage in, in a mission like this is my point not at all no okay nope and uh, so we set down in our helos and we, we move up to the structure and I'm the primary breacher so it's my job to put an explosive charge on the door or the wall or the ceiling wherever we're going in and blow a hole and then the team goes in so I go up to the door and as I'm putting my, my strip charge on the door, there's a huge crack between the door and the door jam. And, and I look in there and I, it's, it's bright, it's lit up and I can see like six or eight kids just lining this hallway. And I don't know if they did that on purpose, 
they do do stuff like that on purpose, unfortunately, to kind of rack up the uh, civilian casualties and put those people in, in the bullets way to, you know, for propaganda purposes. Regardless, um, I chose not to do the breach and we didn't do the breach and I call for no breach. And some people were a little bit shocked because we love to breach. It's a wonderful way to start out a evolution. And uh, it didn't happen. And uh, the, the strange thing was, is it had no effect on me. I wasn't proud of that. It didn't, it didn't affect me at all until my friend like 10 years later brought it up. And now that I have a different mindset and a different perspective and I've just more experience in life and have different goals and understandings, um, I love that. I love that I didn't just murder a bunch of kids, you know, because I could have. It, it, yeah, you know. and, and that's when you were describing it, that's, that's what I think really hit home with me. And it, it, was, it was the fact that normally you would not, with a kill and capture mission, you're not worried about collateral damage, as you just said. Not and much, some, a little bit. Something told you, yeah, I shouldn't say you're not worried about it, but that's, it's, it's very different, like you said, than, than the other uh, types of mission. But something told you just to kind of peek around the door. I mean, it was, I don't want to get spiritual on you, but did you feel like maybe somebody kind of touched their hand and said, hey, slow down? Not yet, but maybe okay. that moment will, maybe that moment will come. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think that, that there's got to be something there from the standpoint that you don't just, oh, I'm curious. I'm going to go look through and, and hopefully the bad guys won't be pointing a gun at me from the other side. I mean, you were in, I mean, let's face it, you were in kill mode. But yet, you didn't. And there are six or eight kids that certainly lived beyond that day because of that decision that you made. Yeah. And, and, but, and just think about the idea that at the time it was irrelevant to me. You know, I, that's, that's why I'll push back on in terms, I, I mean, I'm, I didn't dislike humanity. I, didn't, I wasn't a serial killer or a psychopath. I didn't want to murder, you know, random innocent people. Um, but in the same token, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't go out of my way to help them. You know, I didn't, I, I chose to be a corpsman because it was the fastest way to get to SEAL training, not because I wanted to actually help people. You know, I, quite frankly, I, the reason why I joined the team is because I wanted to shoot people. I wanted to blow stuff up. I wanted to destroy, um, you know, I didn't want to create, I wanted to destruct and destroy. Fast forward to, um, very when I started working with an organization. Well, I, 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 I want to roll with honesty. You know, I, I didn't always roll with honesty and honesty is not binary. You know, it's not either you're honest or not. I mean, there's phases. You have to be honest all the time, right? You can't just, oh, I'm honest. And then, then you're good. And then the next time somebody asks you something, you, you lie about it. But anyway, um, sort of fast forward to an organization, you know, of higher ground. They're one of carried the yes. loads partners, wonderful organization. I started with them like five years ago. And I started with Special Olympics as a Special Olympics ski instructor. And that was my hook to humanity. That's when I started to give an F about people in general, but probably specifically people um, with disabilities. I'd been hanging out with Navy SEALs and super tough guys. And, you know, I was a bravado, macho, ego-driven, a-hole tough guy um, that only had SEAL friends and, you know, super cool guy friends. Um, but he, all of a sudden here I was working with down syndrome kids and ki or, or kids with down syndrome. 
and it, it gives you new perspective. You know, here, here's this person um, born this way, certainly not by choice, uh, versus me, who is this, you know, privileged white guy that seemingly everything comes easy to. What's that about? And uh, that was my hook to humanity. That's when I started to actually give a crap about other human beings. And, and the weak, so, just, you know, to, to, help, to help those that need to be helped. So did, did, you, did you consciously select that group? Did you go say, I want to be a part of something and, and you were placed with them? How did you end up specifically with that group? I would say it happened by accident or the, the, the metamorph, I guess the, the transformation I, I had happened by, by accident. I, I wanted, I was a ski bum or I had a, I had a nice, um, I was running an eco ranch, right? I was making, I was running an eco ranch and I was making 200 grand a year, most I've ever made. And it was seasonal and I was up in Sun Valley, Idaho. So I was like, well, I'll just be a ski bum. And then I was a ski bum for a little while. And then I just was searching for meaning, you know, we can get into this, but humans without meaning, humans without purpose don't do well. And I was searching for some more meaning, searching. I didn't know what, I didn't specifically say like, oh, Special Olympics, I'm going to do that. That's going to fulfill me. I sort of just accidentally fell into it and then started to, to feel it and started to feel in general, started to like, you know, like the Grinch, like your heart grows, you know? But did you have any say over, okay, that's the group I'm going to, or did, did you just say, hey, I'm here to help? And they went, okay, here's your group. Uh, I, no, I, I volunteered for the Special Olympics. I wanted to do okay. that. I wanted to do that. And then, and then after doing that, I, I kind of quickly went over to veterans. So I also had no intention to help veterans. I sort of accidentally, it just sort of seemed like it was a, a great place to be, a, you know, a great transition. And then all of a sudden I was working with veterans with PTSD and TBI and other polydrama. And I started to love that. And that's, and that's where I, I really, I really want to challenge you on your, you know, don't give a crap about humanity. It, it, it may be subdued, but I mean, I, here's, here's what you've told me so far. I know that you left the service because you didn't, you wanted to, to have a family, mm -hmm. your words, correct? Okay, you come across a, uh, a room full of children on a kill and destroy mission or a kill and capture mission, and you said, mm, now, even though, even though you'd be well within the mission to do what you did, you didn't do it, and then you choose Special Olympics kids. Now, you can't tell me you don't give a crap about humanity and that you never did and it just came five years ago. I'm calling you out because, man, that just doesn't happen. And well, maybe you weren't in touch with it. I get, and that's yeah. where I wanted to call you out on it. Cause I, I man, Definitely. you're a good dude. I well, can tell that just by talking to you. Well, I try to be, I have to try, you know, the, yes, the destructive, the, 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 I married my wife because she's a nice person. She's a kind person. Her default programming is kindness and, um, and empathy. Mine's not, I had to learn empathy. I, I didn't even, I don't think the word empathy crossed my, my head, my brain until, you know, I was probably 35 years old, you know? So yeah, you mentioned humility earlier. I didn't have it. Humility, empathy, those things I got, I got later in life. I didn't have it early on. I didn't have it in the SEAL teams. Didn't have it until, until I started working with nonprofits. So you've got two boys, 14 and 16, I believe. 12, 14. 12 and 14. What are the biggest lessons that you try to teach them from your time in service? What, what, 
and, and let's, let's be even more specific. What mistakes did you make along the way that you used to teach them to say, son, I don't want you to make this mistake? Yeah, well, part, drinking and partying is one of them. Um, I, I consistently tell them, don't, don't be like me, be better than me. My, my older son is kind of like me in terms of most things come pretty easy to him. He's, he, um, he can just kind of do anything. He's playing like six or seven instruments right now. He, he's, he wants to go to Juilliard. Wow. He wanted to be a team guy for like a year and a half. Now he wants to go to Juilliard. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the point is, is, is don't be like me, be better than me. Um, you, you don't have the trauma. That's what I tell him. I was like, you don't have the trauma. I can see that my, my older son has the addictive personality and the addictive gene that I have, which is good because that'll keep you like, you know, you can run a marathon or you can go to SEAL training or you can do whatever you want to do and put forth the effort, put forth the effort. But it also has you drink 12 or 15 drinks, like the same, like the same parts of me that will never quit and would endure anything are the same parts of me that after 15 drinks is like, no, nah, I haven't had enough, you know? Yeah, it's so your 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 lesson to him is learn to channel that in the right way. Yeah, well, I'll learn to channel it. Moderation. I, we get into mindset. We get into all sorts of things. I mean, you know, my perspective at so my my fourteen year old son at fourteen, I had already probably gotten blacked out drunk two hundred times. I had already shot out dozens of windows with BB guns, set dumpsters on fire, told teachers to go F themselves. I mean, I was a mess, you know, uh, as looking from, if I had me, if, if I, if my son was like me, it, it would be a nightmare, you know, it would, uh, and, and my wife wasn't a, a, a angel either. So the both of us now have kind of flipped it and we've both thankfully broken the chains of kind of the, some of the things that were going on. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got two kids that we love the crap out of. So I'm hearing that your, uh, your relationship with your boys is very different than the relationship you had with your dad. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. My dad gave me, my dad showed me how I didn't want to be. Um, I mean, I don't I mean, know how deep you want to go, but I mean, the dude molested two of my sisters, uh, just had no moral compass, literally, literally had no moral compass and uh, gave me two compliments in my whole life. I forgot the first one and the second one was when I graduated SEAL training. So I compliment my boys all the time, very encouraging, encouraging them to do whatever they want to do. I'm in their life. I want to be in their life. Um, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to be a better father than, than I had. That's uh Man, that's deep, Monty, and, and I and I I really I appreciate you sharing that. Um, that is uh, a, a lot of respect for you to be so honest. Thank um, you, sir. So, tell me a little bit more about uh, about Higher Ground and their mission and some of the really good things that they do because they are an, an incredibly good organization. They've been a great partner. So, talk to yeah, me a little absolutely. bit more about your experience with them. Yeah, so I I just spent five years with them. There's two distinct sides. There's the people with disability side, and then, then there's the veteran side. Uh, I worked on both sides, but I ran the veteran side for, for higher ground in Sun Valley there for a while. And the veteran side is basically taking folks with post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injuries, or military sexual trauma, 
and then putting them through a week's worth of recreational therapy. What the heck is that? That is doing some type of an activity outside um, and then talking about that activity later in the day and then pulling themes of the day. We have five themes of the day. So it's a seven day uh, course with uh, logistics on either side and then five days in the middle, that is our programming days. And we have specific themes and specific content for each of those themes of the day. And they build upon each other. And um, we have mental health professionals on site so that when the stuff gets deep, um, we, can, we, can, we can go there. Or what happens more often than stuff getting super deep in the group settings is the one-on-one. So we have the mental health professional there available for the guys and gals to go for a walk, get on the chairlift, do whatever you have to do to, to utilize this mental health professional's time to get the stuff off your chest, to work through some things that you need to work through. We also have a um, recreation enhancement fund. So folks that come through our course, we actually buy them equipment to get them the heck out of the house. Um, Gym memberships, martial arts memberships, dance lessons, whatever it is to get them the heck out of the house and back into society um, is is what we do. So yeah, it's a wonderful course. We um, program, we put on camps in like six to eight states and uh, it's free to the veteran door to door and whoever they bring. Uh, we treat mm-hmm. their spouses just like them and they get the same pro- programming and content. And uh, yeah, that's, one- that's important. That's a Very. really important piece. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, all you got to do is, is, is treat the veteran. And I think more and more of our uh, veteran service organizations are starting to realize that's just one part of it. The damage has been done across the family and the whole family needs to go through that. So that's, that's great. I couldn't agree more. Think about it as education. Why would you just educate 50% of the family? It makes no sense. Yep. That, no, that's, that's awesome. Well, you know, we, we, uh, we appreciate your, your continued service, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the country and to the veterans. Uh, I know you've also got a, uh, uh, you've got your own podcast, uh, the full Monty. The full Monty podcast. I, I haven't done anything with I it in a couple name. months. Go ahead. You love the name? I love the name. I just, I think it's awesome. Have you seen the logo? I have. I have. Do you know it's anything hysterical. about it? I don't. I don't. I don't think it's something we can talk about here. <laughs> no. All right. I can. T- I'll tell you this: the photo, the the logo was taken from a photo in Texas. Oh, is that right? Yep, San Antonio, Texas. When I was at 18 Delta, actually, Fort Sam Houston. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to. We'll have to talk about that some other time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so I got two, two quick follow-up questions because we're, okay. we're getting near the end and uh, uh, you've been very gracious with your time. So I would love to hear, what is one thing about Monty Heath that people think they know, but if they found out the truth, they would realize they've been dead wrong? Ooh, I've never been asked that before and I don't have an answer off the cuff. So I don't know. I'll just start rambling. Yeah, I'll just start rambling. Just you, you tell me if you want to go deeper on anything. Well, I'll tell you what. You know Nemo? You know how Nemo has like one tiny little fin? Uh-huh. Right? That fish? The fish? The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Disney movie? Um, my two pinky toes are about that bad. My two pinky toes are about as bad as it gets, and they're like little Nemo fins. I don't know if that qualifies or not. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to let you off the hook that easy. No, that's too easy. That's, uh... um, I guess... I guess, I don't know. My wife says I'm sensitive. 
You know, I'm ah. supposed to be the super stoic, unemotional type guy, but she thinks I'm really, really sensitive. My, and I think my mother would attest. So that'd probably surprise me. So what you're people. saying is most people would think that you're just this gruff, mean, you have absolutely zero uh, uh, sensitivity. But your wife says, and your mother say, you know, he's actually a pretty sensitive guy. So if people thought that, they'd be wrong. At, at, up until five years ago, if they thought that they'd be right, in my opinion. In my opinion, I, I didn't I didn't have emotional intelligence. I didn't gain emotional I didn't I didn't have well, first of all, I didn't care, but secondly, I didn't have an understanding of emotional and social realms um like I do after being exposed to um veterans for five years with various stories. Like here let me give you an example that just here's here this is something that changed me just on this last camp. The last higher ground camp I did was February two through eight in higher ground or in Sun Valley. It was a snow sports camp and we did, uh, you know, alpine skiing for three days and then Nordic skiing for one and sled hockey. And, and it was amazing. I spent a lot of time with this female uh, veteran and um, I drove her to up to Galena and back. So I was in, in the car with her just one-on-one -on -one for an hour and a half. And for the first time in my life, I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a woman in detail about how she was raped three separate times. And I'd never heard anything like that before. I'd never been, I just never experienced anything like that before. And it changed me. Um, it changed me. Those types of experiences, those types of perspectives gained, I just don't, for me personally, I don't really learn things, unfortunately, through books or talking with people. I have to learn things the hard way. I usually have to learn things through, you know, learn things through hardship and messing up. And um, I don't know, it, things like that changed me. So I think, um, yeah, the perspective you gain working with, with, with folks that have experienced a lot of trauma, uh, is, it can't be replaced. My goodness. You know, you hear things like that and you're thinking, okay, I thought I had a bad day. And I mean, three times. Three and separate guess, occasions. Yes. This Unlinked. was probably in the service? In the service. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard to, you know, I don't know. First rule in life, don't rape people probably a pretty good rule, right? Uh, you know, that's... I, I've been talking to my son about that, actually, my older son, because he's got that, he's got that never take no for an answer drive persistence that I have, the same stuff again that'll get you through SEAL training. And he doesn't even date, so this is early, but I'm like, I just want you to know, buddy. Like, no means no. And when she says no, that means no. Like, the persistence and the drive and all these things that make you great at music and 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 make you great at boxing and jujitsu and everything else you do. It's awesome, but no means no. So yeah. Um, I don't know. Rule number one in life. Don't rate people. I think it's pretty reasonable. Man, I tell you what, I, I, um, I think I was right about you from the start. You're, uh, you were wrong about yourself. Well, you, that's you, a good thing to be wrong about. I suppose you give a crap about humanity. There's no I do question. now. Yeah, I do. So the, the, the second question that I want to ask you before we head on out, actually, I, I lied, there's two more questions. So number, number one is we have a, um, a saying within carry the load and it's called, uh, it's kind of a, a calling card and it's be the flag. Mm. I want to, I, I want you to, to, to tell the viewers, what does that mean to you? When we say be the flag, what does that mean to you? Well, first of all, I've never heard that before, so I'm just going to guess. I mean, I'm going to use, I'm going to interpret what it means. Um, we, we use that within our educational 
uh, you know, for the uh, students. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've not, I haven't heard it before, but I, I like it. I assume, or I, my, I don't know, my take on it is, um, um, you know, the, 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 this flag, I don't know if you can even see it, but this flag up there is a symbol of a lot. It's a symbol of all the people that have gone before us and a symbol of all the deaths and all the hardships and all the sacrifices and everything that people have been through to get here, um, which is why you'll never see me burning a flag or throwing a flag on the ground, but that's, that's, that's regardless. Um, so yeah, the flag, I think it just means live, live the ideals, live, live what you're fighting for, live, you know, why do people join the military and basically give up all their rights and become institutionalized and, and leave their families and leave their people and cars and trucks and pets and everything else because they want to fight for the flag because they want to fight for freedom because they believe in our country. So that's, I guess that's my answer. I love it. It's a great answer. So the last one should be pretty easy. Carry the load is all about carrying, you know, honoring those who went before us. They made the ultimate sacrifice. Um, Each year we want to encourage people to carry someone who, who carried us at some point by making the ultimate sacrifice. I'd love to hear from you. Who are you carrying this year? Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts was the first SEAL to die in Afghanistan. And he was, um, you heard Roberts Ridge, heard that story, Tacker Gar. I've, I've, heard, I've heard of Roberts Ridge, but please feel yeah, free to Brit share Yeah, Britt was just uh, awarded the, the Medal of Honor for that. Uh, he was the guy that went back in there. But yeah, Neil Roberts, good buddy of mine, uh, was at two with him, did a, did a deployment with him at SEAL Team 2, and then got over there to NSWDG, and we were in the same team together when, when he died. Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I was the last helo to go in, so I didn't really do much other than load the bodies, but we, uh, we lost seven guys that day. And Neil Roberts is who I'm carrying. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. Monty, you, you, you didn't disappoint. I, I, I mean, I love listening to you interview people on your podcast. You got to do some more because your voice is so soothing. You're so professional. Your delivery is so fantastic. So I want to encourage people to go to it. And it's, it's, uh, it's the full Monty. And it can be found on, on pretty much any uh, podcast uh, uh, platform, if I'm not mistaken. So Yes, sir. There's two full Monty pod- podcasts on this planet. And the other one is obviously not me. But the one that is me is pretty uh, distinguishable. And that is a silhouette of a guy cracking a whip. That's right. That's right. Well, hey. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been a pleasure. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you on behalf of uh, carrying the load. Thank you to you. Thank you to higher ground for, for all y'all do. So thank you, Todd. For, Appreciate- for everybody else out there. Don't forget it's uh, we're coming down the stretch. We got Memorial day coming up. Please help us uh, remind everyone you can of the true meaning of Memorial day. And so until next time, which will be tomorrow night when I'm talking to Jake Schick, former Marine, very good friend of mine of 22 Kill. I'm Todd Boating. I'm carrying Sergeant Robert E. Worley of Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Who are you carrying?